and welcome on in everybody to the Check Your Brain podcast here as we wrap up 2022 this week. My name is Tony Mazer. Thank you for listening to this free podcast that's going out on my Patreon for free this week. All of my podcasts are for free this week, and it's also going out for free wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, and we'll get to Spotify in a little bit, and uh, iTunes, and wherever, again, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm Tony Mazer, and uh, thank you for sticking with the, the program the last week or so because of Christmas, and I had to deal with the death of my cat last week. So, I, I, again, I appreciate the f- kind words, and I've just been so busy. As Okay, so my, now my cats are just going crazy. As, as soon as I start the podcast, now they want to go crazy. So I did uh, mention this. I have a new cat now who actually looks like my old cat a little bit. There's Woody, and now there's Eddie. Eddie, you want to come here and say hi? Hmm? Or are you just going to chase uh, Harpo around? Harpo's tail is as thick as a softball bat right now. (laughs) They're just chasing each other. Uh, But again, thank you for all the kind words and the feedback from all of that. Uh, But yes, this is a wrap-up podcast of 2022. And the the reason I posted the Bad Religion 21st Century Digital Boy, the reason I say that is I am one of those because... I am posting video now. So if you're following along and listening, you can also check out a video version. So all the clips that I will be playing and the articles I'm going to be showing here too. But if you don't want to go through that whole process and you just want to listen, I'll explain it because I uh, I happen to be in radio for a long time and I know how to go with the theater of the mind. Here, Eddie, come here. There he is. That's my little boy. Oh, he does not want to be around me right now. <laughs> That's Eddie. About one and a half. He was rescued from a dog fighting ring in um, down in Arkansas. Really, really bad area. Apparently, I was told that they breed these cats and they adopt them just to use them as bait for pit bulls. If you can believe that, and it's really widespread in the South. I guess this is a really, really bad situation. And he was rescued from. Uh, he could have been a pit bull's, you know, early lunch snack. Instead, now he's part of our family for the foreseeable future, as long as he doesn't go like Woody did at two and a half. Um, so yeah, I'm posting these on video. So if you want to go check it out on Patreon, uh, I may post on YouTube. I may not. We'll see how this podcast goes, just because I don't want YouTube and Google flagging things that they consider misinformation. So we're going to talk a little bit about misinformation in this podcast, too, and all the other things that have popped up in some of the biggest stories of the year. I will also have podcasts this week if you want to check them out. It's going to be about celebrity deaths. And then another one is the top songs. We're going to talk music in one of the podcasts. I think I'm going to do that on Friday of 2022. We'll listen to some of the songs that are really big on YouTube and Spotify and TikTok this year, because I know I'm going to have a few opinions on those. Anyways, so me personally, my 2022 was uh, really largely not very good. Um. Had a couple of cool moments, and I had gotten promoted to being a program director and uh, promptly lost that job a couple of months into it. I had my appendix removed. I had a burst appendix I walked around for a few days with. Kidney stones. My grandma died. My cat died. uh, Injuring myself a lot. I couldn't do the one thing I enjoyed during this summertime is playing a lot of beer league softball, and I could barely play that because I was just so injured at my other job. But hopefully things are going to look up and whatever I can do into 2023. And, you know, you get nostalgic for the, you know, for the past and you go like, ah, this wasn't a great year. I wish it was like some of the others. 
until we'll look back upon it and years from now go say maybe 2022 wasn't that bad maybe it wasn't maybe i did break through and do do certain things but i'll be entering year three of the podcast coming up in just a couple of months so let's talk about some of the biggest stories so how i'm going to do this is chronological order for the most part there might be some clips i will play that will allude to what's currently happening right now i'm recording this on december 27th so there might be some things that kind of intersect so i'll play something that's kind of current but it refers to the past or i'll play something from the past that alludes to something that's currently happening that may have been predicted or was the precursor to something that's currently going on right now i think the biggest story of the of the year way bigger than the war and the war efforts and all this other stuff that's popped up i think the biggest thing was the rejection the large rejection of the covid regime and the fact that at the end of December right now, compared to where we were last year and especially two years ago, we are a drastically different country in how we're handling COVID. Two years ago at this time, you weren't allowed to go celebrate New Year's. You weren't allowed to go to parties. They, they told you they, they discouraged. I know in my area of Akron, Ohio, the mayor, who had gotten COVID, by the way, at that time, was telling people that the cops are going to randomly go through neighborhoods and check to see if you are gathering or having a gathering of 10 or more people. This was a thing. And do we want to forget about this? Because they can do it again with climate change. They can do this with God only knows what. And that was happening just two years ago. This wasn't 10 years ago. This isn't 15, 20. This is two years ago. And even last year, they were discouraging gatherings, and there were uh, a lot of sporting events and venues were masking people and requiring vaccine mandates. In fact, a year ago at this time, there were still venues, and there were still restaurants and still places that said that you can't come in here unless you show proof of vaccination, and which is, almost seems silly as to how far we've gone now, because I think a lot of people the lid has been blown off of that. The scab has been peeled off and they want nothing to do with this COVID stuff anymore. They're done. They are done. And I recall being in meetings with people over at uh, uh, some of the companies like Live Nation and AEG, the uh, pr uh, music promoters. And I was sitting there in a lunch meeting, you know, when I was a program director. And I said, so what's uh, what's happening with the uh, the vaccine requirements at some of these? And they're like, yeah, we're uh, we're not going to make a big deal about this, but uh, we're going to phase them out by March. March 1st is uh, maybe even earlier, but we're just we're just having a lot of problems with people complaining and everything. And it's just that, you know, we're, we're just going to slowly phase that. And then by April, they announced they're getting rid of the masks at the airports. So essentially, the only place right now where you have to wear a mask that's required is a medical facility. So hospital doctor's office getting a checkup or you need surgery that's the only place and even still that's anti-science but for the most part if you see people wearing masks at grocery stores at the mall in their cars uh, they're just these are people who are hypochondriacs and you just you almost let them be you just okay you're a hypochondriac you're a germaphobe you're a you know, you are uh, somebody who's uh, like everything is so psychosomatic with you. You just you just believe that 
the biggest killer germs. But we kind of so. Uh, but let's go back in time. I'm going to share the screen right now and check out some of these clips here. So let me play this, pop it up here. So let's go back. This is in February. So it wasn't too much in January because we were dealing with, if you remember, Omicron, which not the vaccine, not this quote unquote vaccine. It was Omicron that changed everything. The fact that this strain of the virus was so not as deadly as Delta, Delta plus the alpha variant. And no matter if you were vaccinated or unvaccinated, you got this virus, you got the sniffles for two days, maybe a scratchy throat for a day and a half, and then you were back and it was okay. And I think a lot of people said, wait, that was it? So we shut our entire society down for that? And people are, were just like, I think we're done here. But they were still continuing it in a lot of the big cities like New York and Los Angeles. So here's a clip from Clay Travis posted this. This is from the Super Bowl last year. He said, here's the here's the video of every celebrity without a mask during the Super Bowl. But every kid in California will have to uh, be wearing them tomorrow at school. They must be holding all their breaths the entire game. So <clears throat> at SoFi during the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals, you have Jay-Z, Matt Damon with his mustache, no mask. Charlize Theron, no mask. Hmm, interesting. They must not care. Oh, LeBron James. No mask, but the servants in the back have masks on. Benifer, J Lo and Ben Affleck, no masks. Emmett Smith, no mask. Hmm. Interesting what happened there. So they're holding their breaths the whole time. Now everyone said, whoa, whoa come on, Tony. You understand that uh, it was to show proof of vaccination or you had to wear a mask. So you're going to tell me all these people had gotten vaccinated and they're not concerned, even though we already knew by February of 2022, that it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not, you can still transmit, you can spread it, and you can get COVID. Even though no matter what Joe Biden said, what, eight, nine months earlier than that, if you get these, va- you get these vaccinations, you're not going to get COVID. It's not going to happen. It's no joke. Not a joke. And we'll get to Biden in a little bit. But I think the large middle finger to the COVID regime was the, one of the biggest things that really changed a lot of what's happening in society right now. And the fact that we're kind of looking at it like it was several years ago is fascinating to me because I never thought we would get to a point uh, this quickly, at least, that we're not still wearing masks. <clears throat> we're not going everybody everywhere showing proof that we got this jo- the jab. Uh, this small talk, I, I do a bit about it on stage where I, I'm like, can we go back to talking about the weather? Because when 2021, when everyone's talking about what vaccine did you get? I got the Pfizer. What about you? I got Moderna. How about you? I got the J&J one and done. It's like, I'd rather talk about anything else. The Real Housewives, the Kardashians, Kanye West, anything. Uh, to then to talk about what needle they stuck in your arm of April of 2021. It's just ridiculous. Um, but I really didn't think that Fauci, even though half the country still looks at him as, as John the Baptist, they look at Fauci as the guy that, he, you know, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's, pre- he's preparing everybody like, uh, you know, this uh, gloom and doom, everything happening and, uh, 
you know, uh, you get your get your boosters, you get your vaccinations, you wear your mask, you double mask. And most people are kind of, yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And I didn't think it was going to be this soon, but the lid was blown off in the early portion of 2021 or 2022, I should say, because 21, what, half the year still had restrictions. You still had taped X's on where you can stand at the grocery store and six feet of social distance. You still had plexiglass everywhere. Now it's really funny when you go into a grocery store and you just see the the, uh, the uh, basically the scars, the scars of the tape that are still kind of around where they said, you know, you know, no mask, no vax, no enter or anything. You go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Those were the days. I look back at those days like cargo khaki shorts or pop collars or emo. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, but it, it, it's truly incredible how quickly we moved on from that. But that's because we moved on to other things. Now, in America, in February, we were moving on a little bit. But in Canada, that was not so much the case. This was still going on up in Canada. And that had to do with the freedom convoy against Justin Trudeau, the the little dictator who I think every photo of him is in blackface. Like he's either in blackface or brownface uh, from, you know, anywhere between like 1995 and 2003. But he uh, yeah. So they were getting mad and he decided to flex his authoritarian nature on these truckers and declaring states of emergency and freezing bank accounts of people who are, who are uh, the ones protesting. And they were also freezing the bank accounts and investigating people who were sending money for this protest. It, it, like, what? This is really happening? Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is declaring a national emergency to break up anti-vaccine protests by the so-called Freedom Convoy. Trudeau invoked Canada's Emergencies Act, which would make the protest illegal and allow the government to start towing away vehicles. Oh, by the way, it, it, this is the best part about the COVID stuff is the masking is that Justin Trudeau, who walks up there, you have this guy in the on his you know stage right with the duck mask. You have the other one with the cloth mask and another with another useless mask. Trudeau comes up there. And remember, you can only spread COVID if you're walking from backstage where you just put your mask on to the lectern. But then you take it off because you want everybody to see your face. And that's you can't spread COVID that way. Isn't that incredible? As of right now, he's declining to take any military action. A measure like this, though, hasn't been used during peacetime in the country since 1970. Now, after weeks of hundreds and sometimes thousands of protesters gathering in Ottawa, Trudeau has had enough. These blockades are illegal. And if you're still participating, the time to go home is now. Remember, these are the same people, very similar people. We have them in America, but... It was okay to protest for George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, and it was okay to do all this in protest, unless it's a protest that they don't like. Then they want it shut down. They want you shut down. And it, that's what kind of blew the lid off a lot of this for, I think, most people, was that Canada is upset about this. Canada is not necessarily the country that you think would be out there. Uh, there's a lot of hosers out there. People have to remember that just because we think of Canada as kind of like a pushover country, it's a fairly new country. But, and yes, they, you know, the Canadian Mounties, eh? And 
and then we look at Bob and Doug McKenzie and, you know, some of the caricatures you would see from Canada, but there's a lot of hosers, a lot of hillbillies up there. And they were not happy about these vaccine requirements. And by the way, a lot of these truckers are vaccinated and were vaccinated. And they were still upset with the mandates and what was going on, the supply chain issues. And we'll get to supply chain issues and inflation in America in a little bit, but it was comforting to know that at least Canada, Canada of all places that you would think would just roll over and die over these mandates, figuratively and literally, decided to say, no, nah, we're going up against Justin Trudeau. Now, the problem is he reelected and everything's fine and he'll just continue his reign of terror. But it was just it was fascinating. It was a fascinating story uh, that I think a lot of people just kind of uh, woke up to in America realizing Canada's fighting. We need to fight. I thought Americans, the abolitionists, we're, we're the ones trying to fight. And then we're just pushovers here. We just let things happen. We let people run all over us. Um, and in Canada, they said, "No, no, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little different here." So it was nice. It was nice to see, even though there were a lot of repercussions. And they're still kind of dealing with a lot of that nonsense that popped up earlier back in February when the Freedom Convoy was happening. Speaking of COVID and vaccine stuff, now we move on here. Also in February. Ugh, I'm, I'm not even going to get into that. I just saw in the corner of the, the Chris Rock, Will Smith's lap. I, it's, I, I, want, I don't care. I really don't care all that much. Uh, that did nothing for me. Well, uh, maybe I'll talk about it here in a little bit. What will Neil Young's protests mean for Spotify? Now, if you remember, you know, let's, we'll read a little bit. This from the Associated Press. You know, the very unbiased AP. Neil Young versus Joe Rogan seems like the strangest of cultural clashes, yet the 76-year-old rock star's protest over coronavirus-related content on Rogan's popular Spotify con uh, podcast has ignited a hot debate over misinformation and free speech, bruising a streaming service that has become the central way millions of people around the world experience music. Rockin' in the free world? Not on Spotify. Not anymore. Here's what's going on. So Neil Young's protest came after dozens of doctors and scientists wrote an open letter to Spotify complaining about Rogan's decision to have pop podcast discussion with Dr. Robert Malone, an infectious disease specialist who has been banned from Twitter for spreading misinformation on COVID-19. Malone has become a hero in the anti-vaccination community. How about the fact that Robert Malone is the inventor of mRNA and that he's the one sounding the alarm bells on a lot of this? It's not that an, he's a hero in the anti-vaccination community. This is not anti-vax. It's anti-this-vax. The people who are upset about this are not – There's some. There, there is a little bit of a crossover of people who are completely anti-vaccine, and it is caused a lot of anti-vaccination that you see. Now, whatever the media talks about, oh, there's a spread of measles. Well, why is that? It's not happening in normal suburban communities. It's happening because Somalis are coming here – completely unfettered, unchecked, anything like that, and or in different countries of crossing the southern border, and they're not being vetted enough. And so diseases are popping back up because they are not vaccinated against those. Anyways, so Neil Young, and so it was, uh, let me look, I think I had a whole list. It was like Neil Young, yeah, Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Nils Lofgren, they all said, we want, we're pulling our music from Spotify because of Joe Rogan spreading misinformation. Now, what, what's, what misinformation? 
Joe Rogan has a podcast, not unlike this one that you were listening to this, although his a little bit more popular, a couple more people listen. Um, and it's a discussion panel. We're allowed to have discussions on things that might be uh, either uncouth, uncomfortable, unpopular. You're allowed to have these discussions. And by the way, Joe Rogan is a comedian. Joe Rogan is a comedian who has different guests on. So one week he'll have Dr. Robert Malone talking about vaccine efficacy. The next week he's going to have Ari Shafir talk about how many times he's gotten naked in public. Then the next podcast is Jordan Peterson talking about how, you know, his 10, 10 more rules for life. Then the next podcast is Burt Kreischer telling the machine story for the 82nd time or Joey Diaz in his, in his pot stories are going to jail. That's what his podcast is. It's different guests. It's interesting people that Joe likes to talk to. But they want to just think that he's up there just talking about vaccine. Oh, Joe Rogan took horse paste. No, Joe Rogan took doctor prescribed ivermectin and was able to get over a man in his 50s who's in great shape, got over COVID without a vaccination um, pretty quick back in 2021. And that's Rogan. The problem is he was very popular. He's macho. He's an alpha. He's a bald guy with tattoos, talks about elk hunting and he does comedy. And so then they found all these clips of a compilation of him using the N word. And the context was he was saying it in a context. But they said, yeah, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't be saying that. Funny, almost almost like it happened with me, too. But what happened? Ultimately, here we are in December. This is in February. Is Neil Young back on Spotify? I don't know. I don't care. I really don't. It didn't do anything. It was just like a, it was a talking point, And it was a thing for a week of people saying that we need to petition Spotify. What happened? Nothing. And that's what you have to do. Truly, Spotify did a great job, I think, when you look back on this. Spotify said, it's essentially, if you're offended, like I think they tried capitulating in some ways uh, with their employees, but if, they're, if their employees were upset, kind of like what Netflix did is, there's the door. Door's right there. Go ahead, work somewhere else. Maybe you'll work at Twitter. Maybe you'll be an FBI agent or something. Um, there's other places you can go. You don't have to work here if you don't like what our company policy is. You know, just like every place else on planet Earth. You don't like what our policy is. If you don't like what our mission statement is, there's the door. Go ahead. So Spotify, to their credit, or I don't know, maybe maybe to their credit, maybe the fact that they made, you know, they make a, a, a lot of money off of Joe Rogan. And I think they make more money off of Joe Rogan than they ever would out of Neil Young. If you're a Neil Young fan, what what 15 year old is downloading Spotify so they can hear Crazy Horse and uh, Old Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young music? It's like, no, more people are listening to podcasts nowadays uh, per capita and they listen longer. And when they listen longer, they'll want to stay on the app. I think Spotify did the right thing by keeping Rogan on the platform and telling you know everybody else to go pound sand. So that was nice to see. Um that controversy happening back in February. Well, what else happened in February? Oh, there was this, uh, gosh, this war thing. I don't know if you've heard about it, but this situation in Ukraine, the Donbass and uh, Russia, Russia's invasion, 2014, the Crimean Peninsula, blah, 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 you heard all this stuff. And you had this Vladimir Zelensky 
And Zelensky, who at one time was hosting a, a show not unlike The Daily Show, like he's basically Jon Stewart. If Jon Stewart became the president of the United States, that's who Vladimir Zelensky was. And we started hearing about all these stories. And Russia's invading Ukraine at the end of February. And I talked to Tho Bishop with the Mises Institute back around that time. And what are the repercussions? What needs to be done? And I think anyone with a half a brain realized that Zelensky needed to find a way to compromise. It, it, in a perfect world, you would have to find some kind of compromise ceasefire and not have so many Russians and Ukrainians killed over this, this really pointless war. And a lot of things are being staged. A, a lot of what we're hearing about this war is completely fabricated. They're showing tanks getting blown up and you go, yeah, that wasn't from today. That wasn't from that wasn't even from this year. Might have not even been from this decade. Or they're painting tanks, colors, and blowing up random tanks to make it seem like, look what look what they're doing here. So it's look over here, look over here, look over here. Now, ideally, this whole thing should have been ended by March 1st. This should have been, okay, look, we got to come to the negotiating table and figure this out. Instead, the United States is provoking war with Russia. They're provoking Putin. And essentially, Joe Biden had said that this is going to continue until the job gets done. That What's the job? What's the goal here? What is the end point in this war? Just like, what's the end point in Iraq? What's the end point in Afghanistan? What was the end point in Vietnam? And essentially, it almost seems like the United States, Zelensky in Ukraine, or at least these warlords here, the military, this is, you talk about going from the COVID, the medical industrial complex, transition so smoothly and easily back into the military industrial complex. We're fine with watching every last Ukrainian die. For what? Well, kind of seems like Ukraine is a bit of a playground for the West, that they are having Raytheon, they're having BlackRock, they're having all these people, and it's become bipartisan. Like, for God's sake, last week, Zelensky, who thinks he's Winston Churchill, by the way, and he's wearing these army fatigues, like he's in, a, he's in battle right now, when he's just cosplaying. And you have Democrats and Republicans in the United States, in the Senate and Congress, are bowing to this guy. Why? This is just, this is money laundering at the very definition of it. This is going on. And again, it's not just Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. It's people like Mitch McConnell. I mean, you probably heard this clip, but how about check this one out? Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now. According to most Republicans, that's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country. Okay, so providing assistance for Ukrainians to defeat the Russians is the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. Uh, not this registered Republican who's talking right now. That is not that is not in my top 10,000 priority list right now. Well, you say, well, Tony, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you a Catholic? Don't you care about people? Those poor Ukrainians. Yeah, I drive by. You realize what's going on. It really is supporting the current thing. It's two years ago wearing the masks. 
uh, one year ago with the needle sticking out of your arm because you're getting vaccinated. Uh, it was it's this year with you put a Ukrainian flag with your pronouns. It's always supporting the current thing. So the American people, a lot of them are the blue pill. The midwits are brainwashed into thinking that Zelensky good, Putin bad. So it's it's superhero. It's Marvel. It, this is a Marvel movie playing out in, in front of us. This war that, I, again, there is no endpoint. And when you have Mitch McConnell saying that we need to provide more assistance, that's what Zelensky was over in Congress with hat in hand. Hey, guys, I need more money. I need more money. We, we've sent now 12 figures, over 100 billion, billion with a B, to Ukraine. For what? Instead of saying, we are not sending a dime until you go to the negotiating table and fix this. This war needs to end. There needs to be an end point. And instead, we're shipping more money over there. Can you believe this? This is going on. And it is. there's no sign that this is stopping anytime soon. Something that should have ended nine months ago at this point. This war, this whatever you want to call this, this conflict should have ended eight, nine months ago. And here we are entering 2023, entering almost a full year since this conflict began. And here we are. We're still going at it. Great. And sending more money and having Republicans and Democrats. And, oh, and by the way, if you did not bow to Zelensky, you had left-wing bloggers and uh, Michael, B was this Beschlosh? The historian, we need to know everybody. Oh, Matt Getz and uh, Lauren Boebert were not bowing to Zelensky. How dare they? How dare they not bow to somebody who's continuing this ridiculous war right now? Unbelievable that this is happening. And again, a lot of people don't. I mean, what, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for people to wake up and go, look, you can support. Here, here's, here are my ultimately my beliefs here. I'm allowed to think that Putin can be an evil dictator. And I can also think that Zelensky is an authoritarian. You want to talk about fascism? How about the fact that banning churches, banning opposition media in Ukraine, this is happening right now. For, for all the people in America who like to call people like Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott fascists and authoritarians, how about the fact that you're supporting somebody who is a legitimate fascist? How about one, you want to talk about the Azov Battalion and the Nazi tattoos? That was a great picture of John Stewart with the Ukrainians with the Azov Battalion having actual swastikas next to John Leibovitz. <laughs> and we're all supposed to go, I didn't see that. That never happened. Don't believe your lion eyes. That's a, that's a classic theme for this entire podcast, this entire year. That's okay. Send more uh, sir, over a hundred billion so served like McDonald's. <laughs> well, because of that, we started hearing about with this war, Putin's price hike. Remember, you had Joe Biden was like, hey, you know, price of gas are up because Putin is Putin's price hike. That was their little thing. They, they, the White House and uh, Karine Jean Pierre, the uh, affirmative action, untalented press secretary had to come up with these new little bits of, uh, you know, we, we, we had to come up with something where 
it's really punchy, like very catchy, like Putin's price hike. Yeah. So you like that alliteration, those, those popping of your peas right there. That's going to be good. That We're going to carry that. And you started seeing that as soon as they put that out, all of your friends that support the current thing said, well, yeah, of course gas prices are up because of Putin's price hike. Putin's price hike. Putin's Wow. You really just do not think for yourselves, do you? Here's Stephen Colbert. This is one of my favorite clips of the year. You want to talk about an elitist here. He's fine with paying for gas as long as that means we're going to really stick it to Vladimir Putin. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. Okay, so they're going to play music. This is a New York Post thing. Uh, yeah, nothing, and I mean nothing, is more tone deaf than telling a single mother of two paying $30,000 a year who is struggling with gas prices to go buy a fifty dollars to $80,000 electric car that she has nowhere to charge. It's, it's just so funny. So you had Stephen Colbert saying this. Stephen Colbert is fine with paying $15 a gallon for gas if that means we really stick it to Vladimir Putin. Wow. Can you think of anything more out of touch? And he says, I'm fine with paying that because I have a Tesla. Well, what's the update? That was when you st we still kind of liked, you know, in the media, people still liked Elon Musk. Hmm. Funny how that kind of changed around a little bit. Oh, God. I'll gladly pay more for gas to stop Putin's maniacal pursuit to kill innocent people, take their homes and bomb them while trying to leave their country. Stop being so critical to those who are trying to help our country and others. <sighs> these are these people just uh, it's oh, yeah. And Colbert's CBS contract guarantees him an annual salary of $15 million. So, of course, you can afford $15 a gallon. And in fact, the inflation got so high, people were going to the grocery store. They didn't know what, where to turn. They didn't know what, what's going on next. The cost of goods and services skyrocketed. Remember in 2021, there was right ahead of 4th of July. They said, hey, gang, like Biden's administration was like, hey, gang. Did you know that the cost of hot dogs went down slightly and the, the cost of a picnic went down? Six, it was like 16 cents. And we're supposed to go, yay, thank you, Joe Biden. You're putting us on the proper track right now. We're getting back out of, we're pulling out of the COVID stuff. Well, then everything just completely skyrocketed for that 4th of July in 2022. And, uh, and, and Thanksgiving was up way high and we're all supposed to just shrug our shoulders. But then the gas prices, that was what was amazing, was going in from, it was like May, June, July, gas prices by me were over $5 a gallon. And I think right now, if I look, they're probably about three. And that's because we're just siphoning from our oil reserves. It's not like we found new oil and uh, that, that it was, remember, this is what it was, is during the Bush administration, it was uh, Bush is evil and he's trying to kill brown people just to take their oil and uh and, but then the gas price went up and it's all bush's fault then the gas prices go down and they say well that, the president does do the president doesn't control the gas prices but then when the president that the media likes and the gas prices go down it's thank you barack obama thank you joe biden but if trump is president and the gas prices were 
about 230. Really, it, the gas prices were about 230 for all of Trump's administration until COVID when they went down to like a buck 60. But it was like, no, the president has nothing to do. He doesn't control the gas prices. But from where we were in the summertime, where it was over $5 a gallon, six, maybe even $8 if you're in California, and now they're down like $2. We're all supposed to just stand up and cheer Joe Biden. Thank you for putting us on the right track, Joe, Sleepy Joe. Thank you so much. Nobody can afford anything, but thank goodness that we care more about things like January 6th. Wow, great. Uh, moving on here. Let's see what else I got on my list. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, major cities are bombarded right now. There was a video in New York City, and it's not even just a video. It's every day in New York that the subways are full of human feces and urine just everywhere. Just spread like you can't even go in certain cars. You're like you peek in and go I'll wait for the next train. Not going to do that now. And it's it's disgusting. However, I took the bright line in Miami from Fort La La Miami to Fort Lauderdale. And I also took Miami's public transportation. Pretty clean. Hmm. Interesting. Why is New York's just looks like a bomb exploded in there? Um, but we've seen a lot of these stores get looted, these flash mobs that have popped up, the Wawa. That was a classic one a few months ago of where the Wawa is just getting torn up in Philadelphia. And you still had the woman's like, Are y'all gonna stop filming and make me a sandwich? <laughs> it's like yeah, no, uh, our store is getting torn up. I'm not going to make your chicken Philly for you. Not right now. Let's we'll wait a little bit. Um, but this is what's going on right now. This is uh, currently in Buffalo, New York, all across Buffalo in Erie County. There is a lot of uh, looting that's happening and family dollars and everywhere. It's just incredible. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Hello. 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 I'm about glass you on cloud, bitch. I go live with everything, bitch. Who give the fuck? What? What? We don't got no kids. We don't know if it's going that shit. We don't work here. We ain't feeling like you. Bitch. It's just a lack of respect, a lack of order. And when you don't have order, you have what's called disorder. And so you go through a family dollar, a dollar general, a dollar tree, one of these like kind of low end stores. And you just ransack the place. And the, of course, in 2020, the typical progressive response was, well, they have insurance. They could pay for it. It's, it's okay. Well, I bring up the point of, okay, so if they do have insurance, what about the people who rely on the family dollar in the neighborhood in a lower middle class to lower, you know, low, uh, you know, really low class area? that some of the older people rely on. Like I always talk about the Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid that gets broken into, gets looted. And then eventually the store has to go away. I remember there was a, um, there was a Walgreens that's you know, not far from me, maybe about 10 minutes, gone, completely gone. 
And why? Because in 2020, it just got ransacked. It kept getting robbed. It got ransacked. They would take $999 worth of stuff with just these big bags, like it's Santa Claus's sack on uh, on Christmas, putting it in his sleigh. And uh, yeah, no. And we're supposed to just go, like they're told by their manager, by the, the higher ups, don't do anything. Don't try to stop them. Let it happen. So when that gets out, it's, well, why, why don't I do that? I'll do that. So they're either going in there and selling that stuff, the razor blades and shampoo on the black market, or they're taking it for themselves. And we as society have just gone, okay, well, look, that's okay. You know, because George Floyd died, that uh, this is a form of reparations. Like this may as well be, re this is the bigotry of low expectations. You want to talk about actual progressive bigotry like racism is the bigotry of low expectations thinking, well, of course, black people are going to loot a store because of what white people did to them. So why not? Let them have let them have fun. And this is another situation that, you know, and you know, the United States, we just allow it to happen. Get your big ass off something. Why not? Just trashed in here. Who's going to clean this up? Who's going to clean up this family dollar? This is happening in Buffalo, New York right now. Just sipping on Fanta or whatever that was, Sunkiss. And they know that nothing is going to happen. And they're going to do it at another store because that's okay. We'll, we'll go somewhere else. We'll, we'll have fun. So Wawa gets looted. I mean, this is, and by the way, happening in a lot of blue areas right now because they're emboldening this. You get what you vote for. Uh, going through the list. So, um, yeah, that some of that was like in April, like March, April, May, uh, sometime in April. And we'll get to a little bit more of this Elon Musk wanting to buy Twitter. There was a rumor about that. And, you know, like, what, what is it going to take? We'll talk. We'll talk more about Twitter when we get to the Twitter files towards the end of this podcast. Uh, let's see. Doxing campaigns on uh, libs of TikTok where. Shia Rachik, the lives of TikTok girl, had Taylor Lorenz wearing her mask at the door and putting out her address and everything. And, uh, well, you know, we'll get again, we'll get to more on Taylor Lorenz and the oppressed journalist uh, as we get down the road here. CNN Plus, that was fun. Remember that? Remember CNN Plus? That's gone. <laughs> I actually know somebody who left her job in North Carolina to work for CNN Plus. Like she, she left it all. She left a really good job and her place in uh, Durham or Raleigh, whatever, in South in North Carolina, moved to New York for CNN Plus because she got a really good deal. She's going to do a lot with this. And she was there for maybe a month, maybe a month, gone. She got a massive, massive severance. So she's staying in New York. She bought her house with that severance. She bought, That's how much money she made from CNN Plus. And it was kind of like a, it's kind of like penance for having everybody leave whatever they're previous job was to move to New York for this thing that lasted, what was it, three weeks? It, can you believe that? Because people love CNN so much, we want more CNN. What, that is the biggest blunder. Like, you want to talk about blunders. They always mention of, like, David Caruso leaving NYPD Blue or um, uh, Dave Chappelle walking away from his show or... Um, uh, Dennis Miller uh, on Monday Night Football. They always talk about like the biggest things in happening in TV. One of the biggest of all time 
was CNN, was, was Ted Turner, all those people involved in CNN thinking that the American people love CNN so much that we want more content from them. People aren't watching it right now, the main channel. What makes you think people are going to pay a subscription service to hear more of Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon and Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper? Because that's what we want. And then they would bring in, um, was it Jameel Hill? So what? So I'm going to pay 10 bucks a month for CNN Plus to be told what a racist I am? Or have Rex Chapman, the mediocre Charlotte Hornets basketball player, the drug addict, the... uh, um, the kleptomaniac, like uh, he's Winona Ryder, wearing his glasses and stealing people's content from Twitter. And we decide, yeah, let's bring him on board and have him do a show. How did that work out? And then CNN had to lay off more people like Brian Stelter, the good little piggy, the, uh, as uh, Greg Gutfeld called him, the turgid tattletale of CNN. So I think he's doing, you know, He'll always be employed because he's just a he's just a good little boy for people. Oh, and uh, that gets to the next thing here is the Ministry of Truth. Now, this was a big story that popped up in March or it was you know, I think it was April. It was about April something of uh, 2022, and the they were putting together a misinformation governance board inside the White House to deal with people like, you know, Joe Rogan or people on Twitter who are saying things like uh, myocarditis and from vaccine and side effects and everything. But not just that, it's also to deal with misinformation about the Ukraine-Russia conflict and anything else that the regime, not like what is legitimate misinformation, you know, like saying that you can't get COVID if you get these vaccinations. That's misinformation, but that's okay because it was approved misinformation by the regime, by the deep state. So the deep state had to come up with a mis- and disinformation governance board. And they brought this woman, uh, who Nina Jankowitz, who blocked me on Twitter. I don't know what I, what did I say to have gotten blocked by Nina Jankowitz when she's not singing about hair or was it, um, Mary Poppins songs. I, I don't even want to play it. It's so cringe. I have to roll the skin back down my arm. I was so cringy when she was singing the the Mary Poppins, Rudy Giuliani misinformation thing. So it was like, I think it lasted three weeks. Now this hasn't, by the way, has not gone away. It's They're just kind of pausing it right now. They're waiting for the next crisis where they can use this. It's just like what they did in 21 with the Vax mandates was that they started floating out a possibility that you might need to show proof of a vaccination to get into a restaurant, a theater, comedy club, a gym. And people are like, I don't know about that. Well, then they had to wait for the next crisis, which was Delta. And then they said, yeah, I think we need this uh, because not enough people are vaccinated. So we got to go show proof of vaccination. So this has not gone away, but there was enough of a public backlash. They had to retreat for just a little bit. Well, Joe Biden's disinformation governance board is on pause after just three weeks since it was announced. The board was headed by the Department of Homeland Security. Republicans and critics of the board labelled it the Ministry of Truth and began to argue the censorship of free speech and control from Democrats was already too much. A spokesperson for the DHS announced the board would be paused because it had been grossly and intentionally mischaracterised. It was never about censorship or policing speech in any manner. Yes, it was. Attacks have become a significant distraction from the department's vitally important work to combat disinformation that threatens the safety and security of the American people. 
Yeah, you know what it was is that the DHS, there, remember, the DHS was created, unfortunately, under a Republican administration, uh, rah, rah them. Um, DHS is not spying on potential terrorists. They're not, they're, these are the same people who labeled people, uh, like parents upset at school board meetings because their kids are being taught this, this queer theory and pornography in the school libraries. They're fine. It's, it's, so when a parent is talking about that, you had all the way up to the attorney general, Merrick Garland, labeling these parents as domestic terrorists. So when DHS puts this out, oh, we're not spying. We're not, we're not doing any of that stuff. We're just trying to clear up a couple of loose ends of disinformation that goes on. Ultimately, again, it's if you are spewing things that the regime does not approve of, they label it mis or disinformation, depending on what it is. Um, luckily, the lid got blown off that, but we need to continue that fight. You can't just think that just because Nina Jankowitz had uh, got kicked to the curb for a little bit, uh, ultimately, they got found out. And there was enough of a backlash for people to say, like, no, we can't we can't have this lunatic, this millennial woman um, just who just singing about Mary Poppins and doing TikTok videos about misinformation. Yeah, no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. So luckily, there was enough of a pushback, but we need to keep pushing because it's going to come back at some point. They're going to try to crack down, and it could be very soon based on what's going on with the stuff on Twitter. Moving on to May. We are in May now, and just as soon as the calendar turned to May, I think it was like May 2nd, the night of May 2nd, we started hearing about Roe versus Wade being overturned. Hmm. What is going to happen with this? And who leaked this decision? Who, who leaked this document out of the Supreme Court? And there have been a lot of theories. Was it somebody uh, involved that was a conservative who, like a clerk who was putting it out there? Or was it someone under, which seemed like the rumor was that it was under Justice Sotomayor's clerks had leaked this document, this draft to the media, that this was going to happen? And ever since then, you had people like Clarence Thomas, you had Brett Kavanaugh had threats against him and having somebody apparently wanting to assassinate him. Why? Because Brett Kavanaugh, who is a very milquetoast Jesuit, is not exactly keen on murdering babies. And that's what we have to do. Uh, so the freakout really started. And some are wondering if that really killed the Republicans around election time. And I, I think yes and no. I think it emboldened a lot of sing and we'll get to the election in just a little bit too. I'm teasing. I'm doing like radio stuff. But it, it did embolden a lot of women, single women who were told that you don't need no man, you don't need no baby. You, you know, you break through the glass ceiling and you know, you work your $25,000 a year job for your boss because your career is more important than having a family. And that's what these brainwash—that's what the the media has brainwashed these liberal women for the last forty years not to have children, and it's become a voting block. And that's what really killed Republicans ultimately is the young progressives that were cared cared more about abortion and threats to democracy than they did about inflation and everything and, and poor candidate choices. Um, but I still think even if it wasn't the best decision for Republicans, it was still the better decision for humanity, for morality. 
And uh, ultimately, what uh, what happened was that was in early May. By the end of June, on a Friday, I think it was like June 24th or something, Roe versus Wade got struck down. There it is. And uh, it uh, it was it was not it was nice to see. Wait, I didn't even share the picture, the meme. <laughs> <laughs> it's if you're only listening it's the meme of it's it's the guy taking a selfie next to the grave but it's a baby and it's a bunch of babies who were you know saved because they weren't aborted um it was i still think it was the right decision but what it is did it ban abortion in the united states of america no i've gone over this i did several podcasts you can go back in my history at the time to go check this out what did it do it brought it back to the states. So if you are in California, you'll still be able to get an abortion. If you really, really wanted to rip a baby from you because you were irresponsible or God only knows what was going on, what's your situation, you could still get an abortion. If you're in Alabama, it might be tougher to get an abortion. It left it back to the states. It's a form of federalism. And that's what we should be founded up upon that we, even though we are United States, we should all be like 50 different countries that we have certain state charters that, and, and, and that we can adhere to that. Why does New York and Montana have to be the exact same? Why does Alabama and California have to be the same? We, they're not, they're not culturally, they're not geographically, they're not uh, in, in a climate way. So why should we be the exact same? It's like, we shouldn't. There shouldn't be just a sweeping mandate of everything across the country. So uh, it left it to the states. And I think that's the way it should be in a lot of ways. In fact, I think it needs to go even further than that of emboldening local communities, The what's called the 10,000 Lichtensteins. That you're, it's what the John Birch Society has been talking about for, what, 60 years, is that the local sheriff is the most important political position in the entire country. More than the president, more than the, more than the speaker of the house, more than um, you know the you know the the, the senate majority leader, more, way more than any of that. More than your local mayor, it's the local sheriff, the county sheriff, is the most important, and that's how you built through your community. So if you want a society that's built on Misesian or Rothbardian principles, then you do so by helping in your local community and not being so fixated on who's the president. It almost doesn't even really matter. You need to focus on your own community before you start throwing stones at others. Uh, and that's kind of, this is one thing where when you look at traditionalism, you look at uh, what popped up and what Clarence Thomas had talked about after uh, this whole situation was, uh, it was, it was truly incredible to see the freak out, but it was also nice to see people waking up and understanding the tenets and the purpose behind a more federalist society. So I really enjoyed seeing a lot of that. Now we move on to June. Uh, we're right around the time when Biden got COVID and he got COVID again. And then Fauci got COVID and got COVID again because they were taking that Paxlovid. And uh, it, it, I mean, for a 79-year-old man like Joe Biden and an 81-year-old man and in, in Anthony Fauci, and they had COVID for a long time. And oh, by the way, Rochelle Walensky from the CDC had COVID. She said, I only had mild symptoms but she was down for the count for a month. Huh. Almost like you keep taking all these vaccines or at least so-called vaccines and you have no immune system. <laughs> but almost like some of us did not take your, your shots that you tried forcing upon us. 
and got COVID for two days and just went outside and got some sunshine and some fresh air and then got over it pretty quick, you know. Also in June, by the way, this is my, I remember this is my anniversary weekend. Here's Joe Biden going cycling in Delaware. Just going for a Father's Day bike ride, and then uh, now, now I, I can't confirm these rumors, but there is a rumor that the reason he fell off the bike is he was distracted because he saw a little girl. Again, all, all alleged. Not can't confirm that, but that was that was one of the rumors. Good goodness gracious. Yeah, Joe. And I liked how the media at the time said, what's the big deal? All of us have fallen off of bikes before. Remember when we were kids and maybe you're riding too fast or your tire got caught between the tree lawn and the or the what was it? The what do they call it? The devil strip in Akron, um, the the tree lawn and the sidewalk and you fell off your bike. You know, we've all fallen off our bikes. And I'm like, yeah, not when you're 79 years old and you're the president of the United States. It's probably not the best look, especially for a man who's in the throes of dementia, pre-senile. I think he's I think we're past pre-senile. I mean, look at his gait. He either has Parkinson's. There's something going on. It's like the old Seinfeld bit uh, on the TV show where. Molly Shannon was the guest star, and it seemed like she was carrying invisible suitcases. <laughs> That's what his walk is. He's just like he has this this stick up his behind walk, and he's carrying these invisible suitcases. It's incredible. Um, yeah, so <sighs> that's uh, that's our president right there. Um, and then we have we, this is kind of jumping around a little bit because this was in May, but you had the mass shootings in Buffalo. You had the mass shooting in Uvalde, Highland Park by July. You had the recent one at the Club Q in Colorado Springs. And the weird part about the mass shootings this year were they didn't fit the same narrative that I think a lot of people in the media wanted. Like every every mass shooting, which what's a mass shooting? It's like, what, three or more? And usually a lot of those, if you actually look at the true mass shooting statistics, it's very diverse. It's not just all angry white guys who listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, that's what they wanted to make it seem like. It's this angry white guy who's up on top of a guard, a guard tower or a clock tower and just picking off like black people and whatever for sport. Now, the one in Buffalo, he did do that. He did film. He went into a, an area. He went to a tops and shot black people. And that's a truly racist. That's what what bothers me when we talk about racism. And you you mention anything from that all it's all under the umbrella. Killing black people because they're black is the extremist, like absolutely far extreme version of racism. All the way to you made a quick little joke like Don Imus did, and I'm thinking, huh? There has to be other terms because how can Don Imus say nappy headed hose and you have someone literally killing black people? And we're all going to say that's all under the umbrella of racism. There has to be like another term for it. Um, but then, the, and then the kind of a lot of the things that we started learning about some of these others was Uvalde was like what happened in Vegas and, and Parkland was that we knew these things were happening. And the, the security on the campus of the, the school 
did not act quick enough. And this this dude was shooting shooting kids and shooting people left and right, and they were standing down. And that's when you realize this is a real problem in these police departments, and everybody should be not only they should be fired, but they should be tried uh, for letting that many people were murdered. That's why I'm not rah rah police, uh, here, especially on this podcast. And the Colorado Springs one was classic because it wasn't guy angry because he follows libs of TikTok on social media and is mad at gay and trans people. He's actually one of these people. He's a he has mental illness. They wanted to make it seem like he's this MAGA Republican. He's not. And in fact, it came out this saying that he had they them pronouns. That's what he wants to be addressed as, which, you know, people on CNN, they're like, hey, I know that he's faking that he's not actually a they them. How do you know? What if he identifies that? I thought we're not allowed to ask those questions. Oh, that's right. Um, and Highland Park was that was another terrible. That was on Fourth of July. Uh, going back to June, let's go over to Pride Month. Now this was just Pride Month. Oh, the never-ending Pride Month. But this is, has changed in recent years. Now it's not just gay pride that I, I, re, I recall just ten, like eight to ten years ago. It was you had a gay pride parade in your town. You had some floats and you had rainbow suspenders and you had tossing candy into the crowd and everything was gay, everything, whatever. Then now the trans movement has really taken over the pride movement and this pride progress. We've already changed the flag. You can't just have the straight rainbow pride flag. Now you have pride progress where it's like there's pink and there's brown and there's light blue. And then I even saw one recently, I don't even know if it's true, that there's a red umbrella inside the pride progress flag because that represents sex workers. Okay, sure. Uh, but the the whole LGBTQAI plus movement has been hijacked by the trans industrial complex, the transgender industrial complex. And it's taking away, I mean, you're seeing a lot of the, you know, the women's sports where you have Leah Thomas from Penn, who's winning swimming competitions and diving or whatever, diving, swimming. I don't know what it was. Uh, you're having uh, track and field athletes are identifying as women and winning women's uh, competitions and triathletes and everything. And it's like, yeah, that's because it's not really all that fair. And it's just been hijacked. And I really feel bad for actual lesbians and gay men. And I guess in the realm of bisexuality, uh, that they're not all the same. Like we want to lump them all the same because it's like a political, it's like a voting block. But ultimately, a lot of gay men are gay men don't want to be around lesbian women. That's why they have gay bars and lesbian bars because they don't want to be around each other. They're not attracted. They don't like each other. They also don't like a and they don't say this publicly, but there's a big rift between the gays and the trans because it's and it's but in the media and when it gets played out, we don't want to think about that. No, of course not. So, yeah, this is recent. This is Taylor Hansen posted this as all ages drag queen Christmas mega thread. Yesterday, a blatantly sexualized show meant to groom children was hosted in Austin, Texas. This is a national tour with 36 shows in 18 different cities, including D.C. And, uh, uh, gosh, yeah, what is this? Drag Queen Christmas. For the eighth consecutive year, Murray and Peter 
uh, uh, present a drag queen Christmas. Get ready for your favorite queens performing live on stage. We've got winners, fan favorites, and Miss Congeniality. And then you have VIP meet and greets. Oh, boy. Can you imagine that? Um, also available. All ages are welcome. I've talked about this many times on this podcast. Uh, they should not be welcome. Drag is an inherently adult sexual behavior. Now, for anybody who says, well, Milton Berle used to dress as a woman. People found it funny. Well, Bugs Bunny did and uh, Groucho Marx did and Bob Hope did. You say, yeah, because it was for humor because everybody knew that Milton Berle did not identify as a woman. They knew that Harvey Corman did not identify as a woman. It was for comedic effect. It was, hey, here's a clear male who is dressing up as a woman for a comedic purpose. Sometimes they would actually be trying to hit on themselves. They would have like the side by side. So Milton Berle would be there and he's hitting on a woman who's played by Milton Berle. It was for comedic effect until just a couple of years ago when we have to think that this is, no, 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 it's not comedy. This is a lifestyle and it's just not appropriate. Uh, oh God. This performer paraded around with his, you know, his chest in a box. I'm being clean here and shook his buttocks for the crowd. At one point, the drag queen said, are you reaching or are you are, are you hungry to a child in the audience? Throughout the throughout the drag queen uh, talking, he had multiple people spank him. Scrudolph, the red nippled reindeer. God, the, the puns aren't even funny anymore. Like if they gone through all the puns, they're not even creative anymore. In this performance, they simulated sex countless times, sexualized child story, including Santa, and had se sexual videos playing in the background. When the host asked a child what his favorite part of the show is, he replied, nothing. <laughs> Based child. <laughs> In this performance, men with kink harnesses grab their privates, grind, and simulate humping. The drag queen talked to a nine-year-old named Major and then addressed the mother of the child. <clears throat> You are such an awesome mom for bringing your kid out to a family-friendly drag show. Crystal Method, yes, exactly, performed with two other performers. They were all grinding and making other sexual gestures. At the end of the performance, Crystal licks his peppermint breasts, and the host, Nina West, says, mmm, minty fresh. I don't, I don't know how much more I can just go with this, but the, we have decided that this is normal not we, I mean, many of us, half the country are like disgusted and that this shouldn't be around. And again, I'm not saying that drag should be banned. I'm saying that drag performances are for adults. If you're a gay man, if you're, if you're a woman, whatever, you want to go to a drag brunch, drag bingo, drag karaoke, I have no problem with that. Don't take your kids. This is 21 and older. It's the same way as a strip club. If you're going to a strip club where you have female strippers and guys there, do you think it's appropriate to bring a five-year-old? No. Well, that's how I feel about drag, too. It's pretty simple. This is not a difficult situation. This is not a nuanced conversation. It's, I don't care if you like going to drag shows. I don't care if you like drag, whatever. You can go. I'm not saying they should be banned. I'm saying that they probably should not have, I shouldn't say probably, they definitely should not have five-year-olds there. They are not family-friendly. None of this is family-friendly. What is it about having fake prosthetic breasts that you put in a box that is family-friendly? Unbelievable. This drag queen had a lot to say to children who were in the front row. They were being, 
who were being given money by their mother to hand to the drag queens. He engaged with two children, a nine and a 10 year old. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Are you confused yet? Well, I would say they're confused. Absolutely. Is that Paul Stanley? The host, Nina West, played a game with the audience called Naughty or Naughty. The game involved giving explicit details of sexual encounters. In the video, Nina details having sex with her dad's coworker in his office. An audience member shared his explicit story as well. I, like, how is this happening? And they're emboldened. I, I That's the problem is that it's not stopping and it's going to continue. And they're doing so because it's like an F you to dad. It's like a middle finger. It's like, oh, you don't like it? Okay, boomer. Well, we're just going to double and triple and quadruple down. Good job, people. Good job. And it's it's going to continue. And uh, again, what is the end goal here? Is the end goal to teach kids that there are queer people, there are queer lifestyles that they should be learning, and uh, it's totally normal if they feel a certain way about a certain classmate or whatever? Or are they grooming them because they are actual legitimate pedophiles and to legitimize and fetishize pedophilia? What is the end? And it seems to me you're not like whether the, the former is the goal or the latter is the goal. You're not convincing me properly that the latter isn't the goal here. <laughs> it seems to me that there is a an ulterior motive that they're trying to groom children to be sexual beings and, and partners. Sure. And that leads me to my next thing. Speaking of right around that time, you had. Monkeypox, or it has to be renamed because it's racist or something. Monkeypox is now called Mpox, thanks to the CDC. People with Mpox often get a rash that may be located on hands, feet, chest, face, mouth, or near the genitals. Right. The incubation period is three to 17 days. During this time, a person does not have symptoms and may feel fine. The rash will go through several stages, including scabs before healing. The rash can initially look like pimples or blisters, maybe painful or itchy. Then you might get fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, exhaustion, muscle aches, backache, headache, respiratory symptoms. You may experience all those or whatever. How long will they last? Three weeks, about that time. But it wasn't even the story about monkeypox. It was that we had to pretend it wasn't a gay disease, that this wasn't a thing that was solely affecting the gay community. Hmm. We had to pretend as not, not you and me, not on this podcast, but we as society had to pretend that monkeypox wasn't because gay men are promiscuous by nature, even they're not, um, you know, by and large are not monogamous. I mean, even if they are, we have one partner or one husband, they're still going out on the town and doing these things. And we're finding out that whether it was Fire Island, whether it was some of these other predominantly gay areas, these men were having, uh, they, they were getting monkeypox. They were saying they were having between five and 18 partners in a weekend. What? Five and 18 partners. And then you wonder why monkeypox is spreading and where they were getting it too. They were seeing uh, a lot of these uh, these gay journalists that were posting pictures and like, here's my journey through monkeypox. And then you find out, yeah, I was with my I was with my partner and we met up with uh, 17 other people. And you're like, huh, OK, but you're, yet you're going to tell me that this isn't strictly for the gay community when they said they said 98 percent of monkeypox cases were because of gay people. And the other 2% were in children. You know, 
<sighs> okay. So it almost sounds like AIDS. It sounds like that we're supposed to pretend that this doesn't happen to other communities. Uh, but then monkeypox kind of went away. But that was the thing was, it was the same thing that happened back in the day. We knew what was caught. We didn't know what exactly what was causing monkeypox, but we know how it was spreading. And it was happening in these large gatherings with gay men during the summertime. And instead of what we did during COVID of telling people, stay home, stay safe. You're not allowed to leave your house. You got to stay in your couch because there's a deadly disease that's out there. We couldn't tell gay men that they cannot have sexual relations. We had to just go, no, just, I guess, you know, instead of 18 partners, maybe 14 is okay. Like it, it was like, so we're just having the wrong message right now. So again, COVID stay home, can't do anything, can't leave your couch, watch Netflix the whole time. Monkeypox, we know how it's spreading, yet you can't tell gay men they, they can't go out and, you know, do all this. Incredible. Incredible. Way to go, society. Way to go. Uh, this is a story locally I just wanted to mention. This is right around in July, and, you know, I'm kind of getting towards the end here, probably in the podcast. This is going to be a super long podcast, but that's okay. I'm fine with that. I, I'm i making up for lost time that we have had. So there was a gentleman by the name of Jalen Walker, not far from me in Akron. I used to pass by where he was shot all the time uh, at my last job. And uh, he, uh, there was a lot of, th this is a story that went away pretty quick. I still see the signs like justice for Jalen around Akron, but I think people, figured out really quickly with what happened with this shooting. So let me play this video, unfortunately, from CNN. Six zero two on one on Wilma's fire zone, ragged in. West on Wilma's, we're passing Evergreen. We're slowing down here, slowing down. Stop. As a medical examiner's report found that Walker suffered at least 60 wounds as a result of the gunfire. Well, what happened in this case? Of course, once again, media malfeasance. It was Jalen Walker, unarmed black man shot 60 times by the cops. And you go, hmm, I bet there's more to this story. Let's wait like a day and figure out more of the facts. Well, sure enough, if you waited a couple of days, you got the facts. Jalen Walker, who had been wanted before, and driving erratically and everything. They said he was unarmed. He was shooting outside of his vehicle. Now, was he shooting at cops to get them off his, or was he trying to get rid of all of his bullets? There was what the, the, what the flare fire, I think it was, I forgot what it was called, that they were seeing outside the window. And when they said he was unarmed, yeah, he was unarmed, but had a gun in the car. So the gun's there and he runs out of the car. So, Okay, so like I here's my phone right now. If I walk over here out of frame near the camera, I don't have my phone anymore. 
but my phone's right there. But no, no, I, I'm phoneless right now. It made no sense, but that's how they wanted to play that because the media was – just like with George Floyd, just like with Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Tamir Rice, all the way back to Rodney King, is stoking racial uh, tensions in the country by not giving the proper answer, that not giving people the correct information. You want to talk about spreading misinformation. If we, If the media waited a day or trying to get all the facts – you're not going to have massive riots and curfews, which is what happened in Akron. Massive riots. They had to put a curfew. Why? Well, Jalen Walker was completely in the wrong here. He was completely in the wrong. I'm not saying anyone deserves to get shot or die, but you know what? It's one of those, uh, was it F-A, was it uh, F-A-F-O? <laughs> Mess around, you find out. And, uh, un you know, again, unfortunately, that's what we had to deal with there. So still seeing the repercussions in the Akron area. Moving on to this is in, was this August or September? Let me see. Scroll down here. This is three months ago. When was this? Yeah, September 1st. So Joe Biden is at Independence Hall. Now we're entering election season. And. Joe Biden with a red – I don't know who thought of this, but the, the, you want to talk about something that was very – and I, I, I rarely, rarely bring up Godwin's law of Hitler. But you want to talk about the optics of this looked very like Weimar Republic, looked, looked very creepy. So you have two military members behind him with the flags, and you put a backdrop of Independence Hall with red lighting. And it looked super fashy. And you have Biden like talking about Too much MAGA Republicans today. Um, and everything. So wait, let me go back to playing the, the beginning here. And this was what was going on. You want to talk about bad optics. Holy mackerel. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. No, you are provoking a threat to the country, Joe. You are provoking the threat by labeling half the country. Because what he's saying is like, no, not all Republicans are MAGA Republicans. And, you know, they're, they're all... You know, I, I work with Republicans, but what he's talking about is he's talking about Liz Cheney. He's talking about uh, um, uh, Bill Kristol. He's talking about those, the, you know, the ones that do his bidding. But if you don't do his bidding, then you're part of the MAGA Republicans. So it's like that, you, you know, you put the clown nose on and off. It's like, who are you? Who is it? Who is a MAGA Republican? Well, he said, not even the majority are MAGA Republicans. But if you go against Joe Biden's agenda, you're a MAGA Republican. You may as well be a domestic terrorist. And there's just the, the amount of pictures of him, like, just with his arms up. And it was very Hitlerian. It was very Stalin-esque. And, again, uh, it, it was really, really creepy. But 
they were putting a precedent right before the election. And they had to try to kind of bury a lot of the bodies and they had to do whatever they could to put these optics out there, leading us to into September, the Alex Jones show trial. So what did Alex Jones exactly do? Alex Jones, for seven, basically seven total minutes on a show, not just one show, all of his shows on his show, seven total minutes over the course of so many years, talked about a conspiracy theory that there were crisis actors at Sandy Hook during which has now been 10 years now. It just unfortunately celebrated that and not celebrated, but commemorated that anniversary. Um, and Alex Jones, who's a conspiracy theorist who, who talks about conspiracy theories where a lot of them have indeed come true. Had a guest on to talk about that. But he didn't spend every waking hour on Infowars talking about, well, you know, uh, Sandy Hook, uh, it was all fake. It was all uh, crisis actors. No, that wasn't, it was never done. And so they started putting all these show trials. And you talk about the, the trial in Texas and the trial in Connecticut, where he basically can't say anything. He can't say more than yes or no. It was a show trial to extort him because why? Alex Jones says a lot of uncomfortable things about very popular people. So their goal right now is to shut him up. They've wanted to shut Alex Jones up since the 90s, since he snuck into Bohemian Grove uh, and, and those weird you know, cult-like rituals they were doing by doesn't matter, both parties, whatever. Um, and you know anything he said about the regime, whether he's talking about the Bushes, the Obamas, the Bidens, and he is very disruptive to a lot of very powerful people. And so this story came out that he was ordered, uh, it was it back in um, a couple of months ago, ordered to pay $965 million to the families of several Sandy Hook Elementary school shooting victims. Now, that's a lot of money anyways. Pfizer and uh, Johnson & Johnson, you know, the vaccine people, have really caused a lot of this opioid crisis in the United States. And when they've had to pay settlements, they've had to pay way less than that. They've literally killed millions of people. Alex Jones has never killed one person. Yet why is he paying a bigger fine? Why are there people like FBI agents who are in the crosshairs, but not like gunfire crosshairs? I'm talking about Alex Jones ripped on an FBI agent. He ends up getting a couple of million dollars out of this lawsuit. But he didn't have a kid who was at Sandy Hook. He just happened to be in there because he, Alex Jones criticized him. He gets paid? Why? For defamation? It's ridiculous. The plaintiffs argue Jones's comments from, uh, suggesting the 2012 massacre was a hoax were viewed an estimated 550 million times on his and InfoWars social media accounts, resulting in 550 million violations of the Unfair Trade Practices Act. If each violation were assessed, at the $5,000 statutory maximum, his civil penalty would total $2.75 trillion. So he's paying nearly $1 billion in compensatory damages. But if they're saying every time it's in his products and everything that Alex Jones can order $2.75 trillion, why don't you just, how about this? If he's ordered to pay $1 billion, why didn't they just... Why doesn't he find a way to launder some of the money that's going to Ukraine just to pay that off? And we're all good. Just throwing money around, just throwing money around, but just to show that powerful people that Alex Jones 
they're going to try and do anything they can to ruin him. And they would love it if Alex Jones got to a point where he had committed suicide. That that would be the ultimate goal is that he nobody killed him. They they drove him to suicide. And they would say, well, you know, couldn't happen to a worse guy. It's just it's sad. Well, that, then that leads up to the election. So I, I was going through my old podcast earlier in the in the year, and I'm just going like, do the do the Democrats really just want to lose this bad? Like, do they have some kind of fascination? Well, ultimately, the red wave that I think a lot of us expected, we started seeing things kind of go into place as election season was happening in September and into October. There wasn't a red wave. It wasn't even a red trickle. It was a red, it wasn't a ripple. It wasn't anything like that. If anything, Republican Democrats overperformed. Now they have big tech on their side and big government and big pharma and big this and big that on their side. But, you know, it seems to me that, like, why was that? Well, the it's, uh, this is according to the Brookings Institute, says midterm exit polls show that young voters drove Democrat resistance to the red wave. Before the stunning results of this year's midterm elections, many pundits and analysts expected a red wave with overwhelming vote margins for Republican candidates for Congress and other offices. This did not occur. Instead, Republicans will gain at best a few seats advantage in the House and will still be the minority party in the Senate. In order to understand how Democrats avoided big losses, this analysis shows that uh, – blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's the mainly it was a lot of a voting block of people that they've in, indoctrinated in schools with the trans theory and the CRT. And and the biggest one was, hey, if Republicans win, they're going to make it illegal. You'll have to go to prison if you get an abortion. Well, I don't want that. But also, it didn't help the Republicans put bad candidates out there. Now, I like Carrie Lake. I like Blake Masters. But Herschel Walker I mean, Herschel Walker can't – look, I rip on Joe Biden for not being able to speak. Herschel Walker can't speak. That was a bad – like you could put anybody else out there to beat Raphael Warnock and probably – yeah, or to face him and probably would have won. Instead, you have a former football player who was in a one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL ends up uh, losing to a guy who's had who, – who has openly talked about how we need to reconcile with our whiteness. That's what Raphael Warnock said, that we need to come to grips with our worship of whiteness. And we're going to vote for him because he's the better candidate. And then there's Pennsylvania. So you have our good our good buddy, John Fetterman, formerly of the small town outside of Pittsburgh of Braddock, Pennsylvania, who helped run that town into the ground, who is an avowed Marxist, who looks it was just this lumbering doofus who now also has a stroke. He has a stroke right as the campaign was just about to begin. His campaign and uh, the people in Pennsylvania tried to hide it as much as they could. They didn't want a debate happening. And when they eventually did have this debate, it was too late for a lot of Pennsylvanians. They already put their mail-in ballots because they scared everyone with COVID again. They said, well, we'll just mail in our ballots several weeks in advance. Then they have the debate at the end of October and there's a lot of people who regretted their vote for Fetterman, that they were Democrats. They're like, oh, I didn't realize it was this bad. Oh, my goodness. And here he is saying goodnight to everybody as a debate starts. You're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. 
Gentlemen, thank you both so much. This does conclude our debate. We do want to thank our candidates for being with us. I, I mean, I'm, look, are you, Tony, are you making fun of a, a stroke victim? That's not fair. That's just so not fair. That's like, that's punching down. You go, no, the guy is now a senator, which of course his wife, Giselle, is essentially running his, not just his campaign, not just his, uh, uh, what he's doing in office, but his entire life. This she's she's an immigrant who's power hungry, and she has this husband who wears Carhartts and has tattoos and this weird lump in the back of his neck. And we're all supposed to think that this is normal, and yet the Republicans put out Doctor Oz, somebody who's barely from Pennsylvania, someone who just in the last couple of years was taught was having a show about transitioning kids, and. Uh, the vaccine and the the COVID stuff and the lockdowns the last couple of years, and then he decides in 2021, yeah, I think I'm going to be a, a, a I'm going to run for Senate, and basically thinking he's going to retire at some point anyways. May as well just throw his hat in the ring for Senate, and he was just a feckless, grifting Republican candidate that, you know, obviously lost, and that's it. So now, good job, Pennsylvania. You have Shapiro, you have Fetterman, um, and I. I you know, what What are you going to do? What are you going to do right now? Hi, good night, everybody. He opens a debate telling people good night because he does not have the cognitive ability to run his own life. And he wins. But, you know, they voted for dead people in the past, too. Was it John Ashcroft? Was that the one who was running? And he actually lost to a dead guy. I, I don't remember. Uh, as we start to wrap up the year, we have Kanye, of course. Again, the aforementioned Alex Jones. That's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I I see I I see good things about Hitler. Also, the Jew. I love everyone. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Okay. All right. So. Yay goes on with Nick Fuentes on Tim Pool's show, walks out. Then he does Alex Jones's show, and then he does Gavin's show, Uncensored. Um, why was Yay talking about this? What is he doing? Well, he's he's kind of like a, a I don't want to say a culture warrior, but he's a guy that he's like a he's like what he's a teenager that you're not allowed to say something, so I'm going to say it anyways. It's like some of my white friends in high school that would say the N-word, like would call each other that with the, with the A, like hey, instead of, hey, what's up, friend? It's what's up, N-word. And like, why are you doing that? It's like, well, because I can't because I'm told I'm I'm not allowed to. So he's just it's it's very childish. Um, we could have had an interesting conversation about what Kyrie Irving and Kanye West were talking about. Um, but we decide that Kanye's Kanye goes out and just says, I love Hitler. I, I'm sorry, like, even if you go out and you say that and you're either trying to be shocking or if whatever you believe, or whenever you start a sentence by saying, look, I don't agree with what Hitler did, but there's you, you, just where are you going with that? It's you're it's a lose lose situation from the very beginning. You're not going anywhere positive. You're not going to do anything positive with that. No one's going to eat no matter what. It's a losing battle for you. You may as well just pack up. Pack, pack up shop. It's not it's not going to happen. You can't go out there and say, look, he did some good things. You know, the trains ran on time. You're going to get discredited. On it, it, 
even if you do think you're bringing up a good point, it just you may as well just keep it to yourself. And and look, I'm I'm very anti censorship. I'm so pro free speech. I'm just saying that what's the cost benefit analysis of mentioning that? Because look what's happening to Kanye right now. Look what happened to Ky- Kyrie. Didn't even do anything. All he did was he retweeted a a, a link to a movie that's still on Amazon right now about the Jewish slave trade, which did happen. It did. And so they, the NBA, which is, who's the commissioner, Adam Silver, and his, the owner of the Nets, and you know he had to go through a suspension. He had to go through this process of trying to, uh, his education. Oh, like he needs to po- read up on his education. Okay, whatever. And then they had to suspend him. I thought the, the the Kyrie stuff was ridiculous. Kanye, at first, I'm like, we could actually have a serious conversation about, you know, uh, the the pecking order, and we didn't have a serious conversation because he just ended up being like an obstinate teenager and just said whatever. He just had diarrhea of the mouth, and that's why him and he's just completely discredited throughout this whole process. So that leads me to my final story as I wrap up of the year is the Twitter files. So Elon Musk ends up buying Twitter, and he's had it for, what, about two months now? And he's done everything, as we call it, ad hoc. He's putting polls out on Twitter. What should I do about this? What should I do about that? And, you know, you you think about where, uh, where Twitter has gone. You start realizing some of the things that were considered conspiracy theories that were actually going on, like shadow banning, when... Uh, a few years ago when Jack Dorsey said there's no shadow banning that's happening on Twitter and the Vijaya Gaji, I think that's her name, there's no shadow banning and Yul Roth, no shadow banning. This is not happening. We're not suppressing information. We're just, we're putting warning labels up of people that are violating what we consider misinformation. And then we find out the, with these Twitter files, so I think this is like the ninth or 10th dump that we have here. This is from David Zweig. Uh, Twitter files, how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. So we've already had the one about the suppression of the Hunter Biden story, where the Hunter Biden laptop, they were contacted in 2019. The feds did nothing about it until October of 2020, when they said, hey, guys, there might be a story from the New York Post that's going to come out about this. And so what did what did Twitter do? Did they say, guys, we're a we're not a publisher, we're a platform. So anybody can kind of say whatever they want. No, they said, what should we do next, FBI and CIA? And then you're starting to realize how many people like Jim Baker worked for the feds before going into Twitter and finding out that the feds had their own Slack channel where they were having these conversations that the former feds, you know, in which you're not a former fed, let's be honest here, but former employees with the fed that are working for Twitter are undermining the process at Twitter on their own Slack channels about what they should do and censoring information and pressuring Jack Dorsey and pressuring Yul Roth to censor certain things that are very dangerous towards their, you know, the 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 regime's talking points. And a lot of it happened to do with COVID, where I guess that as we head in towards the new year, we're going to have a lot more of these dumps on what they did as far as suppressing COVID information about uh, efficacy and vaccines and, uh, uh, masking and whatever. If, if Trump posted something and uh, about going out and having, uh, you know, get some fresh air, don't let COVID run, ruin, ruin and rule your life, you know, whatever it is. 
all that stuff was was going on that they were trying to suppress and uh because it was all for politics and for power and luckily that there are these independent journalists like david zweig like barry weiss like um michael schellenberger like matt taibbi that are putting these things out there they're seeing and doing great work and i know there's a lot of criticism why are they posting these long threads on twitter about this and i'm thinking no it's brilliant because they're putting it on the platform that all this stuff would have gotten censored had it been a few months ago when elon musk was still running the place the elon musk is making people go back to work <sighs> so it's just it's incredible truly truly incredible uh, what what is going on as far as our public discourse and finding out all the stuff that's happening over at Twitter. It's just, it's amazing. So as we head over into 2023, we see the problems that we're dealing with right now. And how do we clear these up? How do we get to a point where we're not normalizing drag queen story time for kids? How are we getting to a point where labeling half the country as domestic terrorists? How do we get to a point where we find out that truly with receipts that big tech was censoring unpopular. And when I say that unpopular towards the deep state of what it is that we are, we're looking at as far as the suppression of information, um, you know, what do we look at as far as federalism, you know, anything from Roe versus Wade to what about the gun debate and what do we bring back to the States and not have it just as a over the board domestic issue. What do we do about, the DHS? And what do we do about if they decide to find ways of bringing the Ministry of Truth back? What if gas prices go back up? And and, and how, do, how do we fix this? How do we get to a point? How do we get to a point where we can put an end to the censorship regime? Uh, are they going to try to do things with COVID or is this going to be climate? Where are we going to find a resolution for this conflict in Ukraine? I don't have any of the answers right now. I don't. That's my podcast. I talk a lot of stuff here. And uh, I don't really give too many solutions, but I guess the biggest thing going in there is looking at your own community. What can we do? What can I do? What can you do in your local community? And we can try to build that out. Or you just keep your communities and we just start our own compounds like the Branch Davidians <laughs> or Ruby Ridge. You know, I'm not saying we go into cults, but you look at localism. You look at your local mayor's races and the councilmen and the school boards. We've seen that in the last year or so is that we're taking a lot of these he, hims, she, hers, they, thems out of these school boards and replacing them with parents of actual kids that are invested in the community that say, no, 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 we're not learning about gender queer in our schools right now. So they're going and saying, I'm running for school board. That's how you do it. You build locally and you hope that at some point it will cause some kind of ripple and cause a wave across the country. And we get to a point where we go, huh, that all started because people got together in their local areas and said, no, we're not doing this anymore. So looking ahead into 23, that's how we, I guess that's how we do it. That's one of the only ways. Get off of TikTok. Keep listening to podcasts like this, but get off of TikTok. Get off of all that stuff and understand what it is that they're trying to do to indoctrinate the kids, to indoctrinate the next generation and causing these continued rifts in the culture war and anytime you fight against the culture war that's oh they're just you know or, or, i can't believe they're doing that well okay well look we uh we need to fight in the culture war you can't just expect that that's what it comes down to i think looking ahead is 
from all the things that I have mentioned in this very extremely long podcast is that we need to look ahead and continue to fight these culture wars. These, these are battles that you cannot ignore because we've ignored them for 60 years and we wonder why we have drag queens teaching kids and parents taking them there. It's because we were losing culture wars. We need to continue that. And if that causes us to secede from the country, have a national divorce, a peaceful one, by the way, so be it. Because if half this country is fine with having almost a naked man twerk while wearing women's attire in front of your five-year-old, if you think that's okay, there's other people who don't think it's okay. I'm on the side of people who don't think that's okay. So that's why you have to continue fighting these culture wars and you have to continue building in your own communities to improve them and not caring so much about what Hollywood, what Madison Avenue, what Washington, D.C., what L.A., what San Francisco all have to say. Care about your own communities. I guess that's the only thing I can really kind of wrap this up and uh, look look at as we head into the new year. Again, I'm going to do more podcasts this week. I got two more. I'm going to talk about the celebrity deaths in the other podcast that's coming out on uh, Thursday. And then Friday will be the music podcast where, yes, I do check out TikTok and I check out all that stuff, but it's mainly to continue ripping on the culture because uh, this culture <laughs> sucks. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Hope you have, if, if this is the only podcast of mine that you're listening to right now, uh, have yourselves a wonderful new year. I hope you had a great uh, Kwanzaa, of course, and Hanukkah and Christmas and um, onward and upward as we head into 2023. I thank you for listening and subscribing to the Check Your Brain podcast. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer if you like what you hear. Just five bucks a month for essentially like 20 to 25 podcasts total. So it's like pennies on the dollar for a podcast. So thank you. Thank you for your support over the years. And uh, again, have yourselves a wonderful new year.